Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. We have a very special guest with us today, Greg Braden. We're going to be looking at the latest discoveries pointing to how truly magnificent the human species is. However, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that's preventing it at this time. Greg, I'm so happy you're back here with me because both of us have this intense feeling that there are things that must be addressed now, that we're in a unique position to address, and you're taking this on in a big way with a lot of the work you're doing already. And so I'm just thrilled to have this conversation with you, and we're trying to figure out how long since we saw each other. It's been way too long, Regina. And I, I thought maybe two or three years, you said, uh, more like five. It's been longer than, than yeah. two years, I know. And I'm, I'm really excited to be with you, to be with, uh, with your community, with our community today. Yeah. Uh, because I, this is just such a, a precious time in precious. the history of our world, and it's a tough time. It's a very tough time, and a lot of times we want to avoid it and kind of put salve over the wounds and pain. We can't do that anymore. And you yeah. have actually said we're in a silent battle. Yes. Of epic proportions. And I think as people hear those words, they can feel it. But why don't you just launch in and start talking about it in your terms? We are experiencing battles within battles. Some of them are more obvious than others. And I think we all know there's a battle for our thoughts. It's playing out through mainstream media. We're being conditioned to think uh, about ourselves and our relationship to the world in, in very certain ways. It's all about our story. And you know, when you talk about the human story, a lot of people feel like maybe it's kind of a, an academic conversation or a philosophical conversation. But when you really begin to think about it, we live our lives, Regina, based upon the way we've been taught to think about ourselves. We solve our everyday problems. We choose our relationships. We heal our bodies. We choose our politics. We build our society based upon the way we've been taught to think about ourselves. That's our story. Well, there's a new human story that's emerging that changes everything. And that's the story that is the subject of the battle. There is a battle for our thoughts about the way we think of our relationship to the world, but there's a, a battle for our beliefs. It's playing out in academia about who we are, what our origins and are. Explain this because you, sure. you intersect heavily with the world of academia in your work. Sure. And we've looked at it in media. We've looked at it in politics. We, these are apparent. But let's talk about how it's playing out in academia because... In my opinion, the entire system needs to be scratched and built from the ground up. Well, the problem is that the story that academia is conditioned to teach through public education, through mainstream public education, is no longer supported by the data. Right. New science, new discoveries have overturned the existing theories. And the bottom line is that rather than us emerging from a universe, a dead universe, right that is inert in its nature. The new discoveries are telling us the universe is alive, it is conscious, it is intelligent. And when it comes to us, rather than us being the product Regina, of, of random mutations of what's called lucky biology, the new DNA studies that were science fiction only a few years ago, we now have the ability to extract the DNA from the fossilized remains of ancient forms of life that we used to believe were our ancestors. But once we have that DNA, we can compare that genome to us. And what has been revealed is that we did not descend from these 
ancient primitive forms of no, life as, as we've been led to believe. <laughs> Here, here's the kicker. And science degree on the date that, that what are called anatomically modern humans. We are anatomically modern humans. We emerged about 200,000 years ago. Scientists agree on that. The controversy is where do we come from? Because what the DNA is showing us is that through very specific mutations that cannot happen through nature, we emerged with the bodies, with the brain capacity, with the neural networks that we have now fully intact, fully enabled. They did not develop slowly, gradually over a long period of time. But here's the thing, we have not changed in those 200,000 years. Now, this very principle violates one of the, the fundamental principles of, of Darwin's theory. Alfred E. Wallace mm -hmm. uh, contributed to the theory of evolution. Mm -hmm. And the, the bottom line, his statement was that nature never over-endows. And what that means is that nature will only give a life form what it needs to survive in the moment that it needs it. Yes. We are over-endowed. We are an over-endowed, right. people love it when I say that. Right. We're an over-endowed species because we arrived, we emerged 200,000 years ago with capabilities light years beyond what would ever have been needed for daily survival 200,000 years ago. And we're only beginning to understand what those are. And that leads to the battles that we're talking about. There is a battle for our thoughts. There's a battle for our beliefs, what we believe about ourselves. But here's the, the fundamental battle, the hidden battle, the silent battle. It's a battle for our very humanness. Our very humanness is on the line because technology is now moving to replace our natural biology. Now, I want to be really clear. I'm, I'm a scientist. Uh, I come from a world of high tech. I'm not against high tech, but here's the thing. When we begin to compromise and give away our humanness to computer chips and wires and chemicals in our body, our natural abilities begin to atrophy. And it happens in one generation. The next generation, those abilities disappear. Neural connections begin to disappear and functions in the human body begin to disappear. The question is, how much of ourselves are we willing to give away to the technology? And the answer is we cannot answer that until we know who we are and the full potential of what it means to be human. That's the battle. The Absolutely. battle is for our humanness. And certain aspects and even kind of take, uh, abilities that we take for granted are already beginning to atrophy sure. because of our over-dependence on technology. And this is a collapsing field, not an expanding one. And, so, <laughs> and I want to go a little further yeah. into that subject. I, I share your same concern. Um, and I've, I also laugh at the arrogance of the scientific mm. community because it's like we've seen the films, right? There are a lot of them. One of the best was Get Out. Yeah. Didn't you love that one? <laughs> Get Out. And I thought, oh, my God, it's so arrogant to think that you can just choose. And we're going to talk about the players involved. I think it's important. And you know a lot about this. The players that are behind tra transhumanism. I was looking into this about a decade ago, and I started looking at a site, and it was called intelligence.org. That site's mm. gone. Yeah. I looked at the players involved, how many of them were from MIT, huge percentage were from MIT at that time, atheistic in nature across the board. Now, this to me is the, where the arrogance and the fear comes in side by side. If you actually think True. there's nothing more to you and it's truly dust to dust, you're, that's an annihilation of, who, of you as an entity. 
and you have the capacity to develop technology that could somehow supplant that, who wouldn't be tempted? Well, this, this is the thing. So we're covering a lot of ground. Let me, let yeah, me, give, let me give a quick example um, for people that may not be familiar with exactly what we're talking about and then how that leads into to the transhuman movement. Absolutely do. So please. when we talk about atrophying of technology, perfect example, uh, Elon Musk is, has created a company, he has a company now called Neuralink, mm-hmm. and it is the first chip that is designed to actually interface in the human brain where neurons are, are actually interfacing with the chip to connect the human brain to the hard drive of a computer with no physical connection, with no wires. It's like kind of like a, a Bluetooth. Right. Now, Your thoughts become manifest and operate. Now, to, to a young person cool. who has not been taught <laughs> yeah. about their bodies, their relationship to their bodies, and, and how rare... The, the human potential really is. When they hear that, they say, sweet. You know, who, who wouldn't want to, to game without touching the keyboard? But Elon Musk himself, uh, in an interview recently, this is fascinating. He said, as a businessman, I, I have to push the edge of this technology so that we can stay ahead of, of our competition. He said, but we need, not me specifically, our industry needs to be regulated. He says, I'm afraid. He's been saying this for of, years. Of where this is going. Yeah. So all of this is leading to, and it's a term you just mentioned, what is called the transhuman movement. And this is a new term. It means different things to different people. Technically, there are three levels of transhumanism. Transhumanism is, to varying degrees, replacing our natural biology with technology. Now, we already do that to some degree, you know, contact lenses and uh, uh, prosthetics, uh, artificial titanium hips and things like that. That is in the first level of transhumanism, and we do that. And uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these. But the second level takes a little bit deeper. The second level is where the belief is that the human body, carbon-based life, is flawed. This is underlying the thinking of transhumanism, and that through technology, we can transcend those those flaws. So the second level of transhumanism is replacing the physical body with gadgets, with machines, with chips, with wires, but keeping the human brain. The third level, and this is what you were just referring to, there are scientists who in their arrogance believe that they understand consciousness and life to such a degree that it can be reduced to ones and zeros. Yes. It's and, laughable. And electrical impulse is stored on a computer chip. So the third level uh, in an attempt to gain immortality is to store human consciousness on a chip. When the body passes, that information then is downloaded either into an artificial body or another physical body. It hasn't worked yet. And I think this is the way that science will be led to understand that there's more to us than ones and zeros. We are not simply electrical impulses. That it'll happen through their failures. Just like uh, cloning. You mm-hmm. know, when they started cloning, uh, and they successfully cloned Dolly, the, the, famous, right. the famous sheep, well, they definitely cloned her. She began to deteriorate and died prematurely, and they, they still don't understand why. They said, you know, Physically, all the stuff is there. The genes are there. What's, what's happening and what they haven't accounted for is the non-physical essence of, of our being. But, but this is where we are right now. So my position, I feel very, because it's going to happen in one generation. 
In one generation, we're going to have the opportunity to replace so much of our humanness through technology recreationally, we think. But when we stop using the neurons, for example, in the case of, of the computer chips, those neural connections begin to degrade. And pretty soon, we've all heard, use it or lose it. Pretty soon, right. the biology says, I don't, I'm not needed any longer. The next generation, we lose those functionalities of mirror neurons, for example, that were only discovered in 2004 in, in the human brain that mimic when a, a mirror neuron witnesses something happening in the world, it doesn't know the difference between having the experience and watching it. Right. So, so when we witness a healing of another human, whether it's in the world around us or in our imagination, the mirror neurons begin to tell our body, better get in, you know, get with the program right. to create the chemistry to reflect what it is that we're seeing. Right. We stand to lose potentials like that. And I'm, I'm going to give you an, an actual example of what's happening right now. Some societies are adapting the technology much faster than others. It's just their, their culture. In Japan, for example, what is happening is that the digital relationships are replacing human intimate relationships. Yes. And I've, I've talked to people in this movement. They say it's, it's less messy. You don't have arguments. You don't have fights. You don't have emotions. They're also having high levels of suicide. Well, it, it's not fulfilling. But here's what's happening now. The infertility rates, the women are becoming sterile, mm -hmm. men, mm -hmm. sperm count mm -hmm. is dropping. Now, it's not 100% uh, attributed to this technology, but this technology is a big part of it. Yeah. And what has now happened is the birth rate now has dropped below the mortality rate. Mm -hmm. More of their society are dying that are, are being born, and technology is contributing to that. And that, that's a, a perfect example. It is, it's left, yeah. if left unchecked to an actual extinction event that's self-created through technology. Precisely. So here's, this is where the science comes in. I'm a scientist and you nailed it when you talk about the arrogance. Uh, I've, I've been in scientific conversations all of my adult life and there are two schools of thought, Regina, when it comes to technology. There are some scientists who say, if we were never meant to do these things, we would never figure out how to do them. So. Learning and discovering is the license to implement. There's another school that says, well, not so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, just because we can doesn't mean, we doesn't mean that we should. Mm -hmm. The technology has advanced faster than our values. Absolutely. We must determine what we cherish as a human species and bring those values front and center and make them the foundation of our policies that are governing how this technology is, is coming I to totally play. agree. And not only is it advancing faster than essentially our ability to deal with it on an ethical level and so forth, but we don't even have the innate understanding of what the mind is. We don't even yeah. have the innate understanding of the interconnectedness between mind and all. And we don't know what that means to a soul and what part of the soul exactly. is caring. How do they think they're going to have a, a, an artificial body and brain, digital brain, imbued with a soul. Well, this is this is where and this is what I find interesting. Well, this is this is my message right now. Is again, I'm, I'm not opposed to the technology. It's not right, wrong, good, or bad. We have it. It's never going to go away. It, it's how we apply it in our lives. How much of ourselves do we give away to the technology? We can't answer that until we know who we are. Exactly. And we're only beginning to understand who exactly. we are. Now here's, here's where the science 
hardcore science comes in, all of the technology that is now being developed in the world around us. And I, I worked in the Cold War years in the defense industry, space-based lasers, Star Wars Defense Initiative. Mm -hmm. I worked on that. So I've seen high tech, and I have yet to this moment, Regina, seen any tech in the world around us that does not mimic what we already do in our cells, except our cells do it better. Right. So every cell in our body, the average human, for example, is about 50 trillion cells. You and I may have a few more, a few less, I don't know. But each of those cells is about 0 0.07 volts of electrical potential. You say, well, that's not very much. 50 trillion uh, yeah. <laughs> times 0 0.07, we're talking about 3.5 trillion volts of electrical potential. But it doesn't stop there. Every, every cell is a transistor. It's a resistor. It's a capacitor. We store information, just like a computer chip. We mm -hmm. retrieve it. We are photon generators. We are photon receivers. We do all these things, and here's the beauty. We self-regulate. We are the only form of life that we know of right now. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are others, but the only form of life on Earth that can consciously sit down in a moment in time and say, in this moment, I choose to strengthen my immune system. Now, who doesn't right. want that right. in right. the world of, of, of COVID? Right. We can sit down and say, I choose to awaken the longevity enzymes. Transhumanism is about immortality. We have the ability endlessly to create the and regenerate and rejuvenate life in our bodies without the technology around us. Here, here. And what's so hypocritical about this is here, this is the holy grail. To offer this holy grail, this um, extremely elongated lifespan, right? That's that's the promise of transhumanism, yeah. right? To be able to become, in fact, even immortal, which we already are immortal. We just change vehicles from time to time, right? But the whole notion that they're ready, the world of one body of science is ready to go down that path and take people with it, and at the same time, Try, constantly try to invalidate processes such as something as simple as remote viewing. How can you not even acknowledge what the mind and the being is capable of and then try to, to literally uh, push humanity down this, this other heart, path? The mind and the and heart. And the heart, absolutely. Because only, only in 1991, the existence of neurons brain-like neurons were discovered in the human heart right. that think, feel, yes. emote, learn, and remember independently of the cranial brain. And all of this is part of, of this, what I call the soft technology that we self-regulate. Now, where this gets... We're already capable of all of these things. We, we are. Where's the enhancement they're offering us? Do you really want to be in the same body for four, five, six hundred years, or would you like to change it up a bit? Personally, I'd like to change it up a bit and bring my consciousness along. Think how much work you could get done in four, five hundred, six hundred years. You could, but think about yeah. this: what if you were in a relationship mm -hmm. and you said, "Sweetie, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you," and you're looking at five hundred years? What exactly. Is, what does there that are mean? implications. <laughs> There's a, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yes, it is. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, is yeah. why are we so attached to the physical when we're so much more than the physical that we would even have to put so much energy, so many resources, and so much mental manipulation into this agenda? I think the answer, it's a good question. And there are probably many answers, but I think one of the primary answers is fear. Because if, exactly. if we don't know who we are, then we are looking to technology to, to protect us right. from, from death, from disease, 
This is up for everyone right now because there is an emerging philosophy in science. I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but I'd like to mention. There's an emerging philosophy in science that consciousness informs itself through the things that it creates. So, so mm -hmm. what that means is what we typically think of as entertainment, books, music, you know, films, all these things, they may be entertaining, but this philosophy says that all those things we create are us creating outside of us something that we want to remind ourselves mm -hmm. of from mm -hmm. within. So technology that we create is reminding us of our inner technology. And you look at the movies that are the most popular movies right now, uh, some of them uh, by surprise, you know, like the movie The Matrix, Mm -hmm. reminding us that there's a world we can't see that influences the world we can. The mm -hmm. movie Avatar, reminding us of our, our relationship to nature. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the young people, the movies they're drawn to now are all about superheroes with superpowers because I believe, I personally believe, and I don't know that there's science behind my belief, but my experience is when I'm with young people who see those, it touches something so deep within them, maybe a memory, that they have or they aspire to those abilities right. again. Are, are we mm -hmm. reminding ourselves of our soft technology through the films that we make? And it's all happening right now, Regina. This is all converging. It's going to happen quickly. We can't drag this out. In one generation, we will decide, do we give our humanness away to machines, to AI, to technology, or do we allow that technology to serve us in a, in a very conscious way while honoring the precious gift of what it means to be pure human? And that's, this Absolutely. is what's up. That's the and, battle. You know, that's the in battle. an even smaller and more pedestrian way, but still in a profound way, we're watching this battle play out over the vaccine. Yeah. We're watching people line up and take sides. Do we do what our governments order us to do? Are we willing to make the sacrifice if you don't do this? Are you willing to not be issued the card that says you can cross over international borders? Yeah. Now we're getting into times. These are real now. This is real. This used to be the stuff of movies, right? Sci-fi and such. It's real now, and we have to make yeah. these choices. But at what point will you allow not allow yourself to be manipulated if you don't feel something is right for you. And we have to use these instincts now because we can't rely on media anymore. Sure. Well, you know, every, everyone learns differently. Yes. And I would never tell anyone, uh, try to convince or persuade anyone of anything. But my experience, Regina, is when the facts are clear, right. our choices become obvious. And when the facts are clear of, first of all, the fact that whatever is made out there mimics what we already do. Exactly. So here's the question, and this is a tough one for a lot of people. This is what's up for us right now. Do we love ourselves enough to live our lives in a way and give our bodies what they need to do what they were designed to do? That's the question. That is and, the big question. Do we have faith in the magnificence of what we actually are? Do we love are? ourselves enough to, yes. to, to make that a priority in mm -hmm. our lives? If the answer is no, then maybe some people feel they need those vaccines. But Absolutely. If, if the answer is yes, but, but how many people have said, wow, I've never thought about it that way. No one ever told me that I'm soft technology. No one ever told me that I could self-regulate 3.5 trillion volts of electrical potential in my immune system. Nobody ever told me that. And once they begin to see that, they think of themselves 
uh, differently. And this is changing our story. The new human story is a story of self-regulation of our biology. We are the only form of life that we know of today mm -hmm. that can consciously self-regulate our own biology, upregulate, downregulate genes. We're we're talking about not only neuroplasticity, but we're talking about bioplasticity. Exactly. We're talking about genetic plasticity. We can overwrite programs. I mean, think about what yes. that means to us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you begin to look at the machines. The machines are limited. You know, we have the ability to sense into other realms of reality and other forms of life that AI programs may not have that ability and to, to adjust on the fly. Absolutely. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Can I go somewhere that we didn't talk about going at all, but I think it might no, be... No, I told you, go anywhere you want. I'll is, go there with you. This is really, really interesting because different people have different feelings about this. Mm -hmm. A dear friend of mine who passed recently was um, uh, spent her entire life working with people who felt and believed they'd been abducted by, mm -hmm. uh, uh, against their will. Right their conscious will right. by a alien alien abductions. John Mack, a lot of studies I, on it. You know, I toured with John Mack yes, before he died. Yes, I know, because I met you That's way right. back then. That's right. Okay, well, before John, he died. Well, John I met Mack, both of you. John Mack was part of that. So That's here, right. here's why I'm saying this. As different as those abduction stories have been over decades now, we're talking, I mean, these go back decades. There are common threads that run through all of them. Mm -hmm. One of the common threads that this woman, she's a therapist that, uh, that shared with me, and this is fascinating, was that each of her clients asked the abductors, why me? Why, why am I here? Why, why did you choose me? And, and what, what, are you, what are you doing with me and with my body? Mm -hmm. And they all gave the same answer. And what they said was that we were once at a point in our evolution where you are right now, where we had to choose between technology and biology. We chose the technological path and we now are sorry that we've done that. We have lost something and we want it back. Yeah, I'm getting chills because that is, uh, from everything I've read, and I've done a lot of work in that world too, that is the story that so keeps coming up. It's, well, and there, as there's another story uh, with time travelers. Mm -hmm. People who have reported time yes. travelers in the future that have come back and said, we chose the technological path. We lost the essence of our joy. We lost the essence of intimate human relationships, and we want those back. So they're asking us, pleading with us in this time-space continuum to honor the, the humanness within us. Now, I can't say those are 100% science, but they all feed in. It's all happening at the same time. But let me, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Sure. What about those who are actually trying to manipulate consciousness away from that and toward that very same agenda again? As what happened in those other cultures. Sure off-planet cultures at other points in time. The, the thinking has been in these other traditions, in the transhuman tradition, that uh, the act, the, the very fact of, of being a human 
it means that we are imperfect, that carbon-based life is flawed. This is the thinking. And that we now are evolving to improve upon and replace that flawed life. Uh, they view sex, for example, as a, uh, a distraction. Mm -hmm. And they're saying if we can take emotion and sex out of our culture, uh, think how much better we're going to be. We won't have divorces. We won't have, you know, messy arguments. And we, we won't have all, all of these things. This is their perspective. And they're certainly entitled to their perspective. But uh, to impose that thinking upon... But upon, we're all interfacing with it now. Exactly. Everyone's online. Exactly. Everyone is subject now to manipulation. I mean, I think one of the most important films of our time was A Social Dilemma for this reason, to watch how our minds are being hijacked and reinforced. The film A Social Dilemma, which came out about three months ago, okay. holy cow, it's someone who was with Facebook said we didn't intend for it to be used this way initially, but this is what's happened. And it talks about, and it, it's kind of interesting the way they lay it out in a format of, of um, some people at the control center of your brain that are taking in data, watching a human family, mm -hmm. right? And it shows how data is brought to you the algorithms then see your preference by your clicks, yeah. reinforced, drawing in more sites, more products that reinforce the same thing. So everyone's in a bubble of their own algorithmic creation yeah. that is constantly reinforced and validated and becomes their only known reality. That just happened. That just happened. I just ordered um, a supplement online yeah. uh, last week before I came here and to actually to bring on this trip. It oh. was a, uh, an immune support supplement. Uh, 10 minutes after I ordered, I went back on online and there was an ad for the same supplement. I said, I just bought, I just this. bought it. And now they're, they're showing it to me again. Yeah. And, and that just reinforces. Oh, but it's even more intelligent now. It's getting more, it's, it's own, it's growing itself as an artificial network based on, um, repetitive patterns to the extent where now it's programming us instead of the other way around. It is yeah. terrifying because no, people don't know the difference. They think they're getting a spectrum of information. Well, they're this, not. This is what Elon Musk is saying. He says, we need to regulate this. But, Absolutely. You know, but I'm an optimist. I'm, and I think there's something good coming from this. I'm also a realist. And realistically, I think we're, we're going to go through, uh, we're going to go through this passage, this journey. And if we can do it consciously, I think something good is going to come from this. And, and here's what I see happening. Very quickly, this, I'm not talking about a long period of time. We are now evolving two parallel societies. That's what I was going to say. I'm seeing a bifurcation of consciousness. But it's happening even at the family unit. There, yes. are, there are kids at the dinner yes. table with the moms and dads that are thinking so differently. So mm -hmm. two parallel societies. One society is all in. They are all in on the chemical in the body. They are all in on AI. They're all in on technology. And there, there's another segment, Regina, that maybe has been on the fence in the past, but I've had people say this to me, even in, in the last week, even on uh, the airport on the, on the trip coming up, something doesn't feel right. right. This is out of control. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is it's triggering them to go back. And they said this, we need to go back to the basics. We need That's to exactly right. Nature. Well, decentralize everything. Absolutely. We need to live locally. Yes. Local food, local energy, local commerce, local economy. Yep close to nature, follow the natural rhythms. Yes. And so those two ways of living are, are going to, to progress parallel, but it, it won't last long because what will happen 
is we're going to look at one another. We're going to say, who's happier? Who's healthier? Who's more fulfilled? Yeah. And the answer to that question, I think, will be ultimately what brings unity to our society. We, we are polarized now, and that polarization, I think, will continue until we reach a point where we say we are healthier, we are happier, we are more fulfilled in our lives. But that requires self-awareness. And yeah. so do you think there will be some think, kind of precipitating I think this event? Is it. It's happening. You think it is right now? It's, you know, this is, we will look back on this. This is, uh, this is a heartbeat in time. Oh, my God, yeah. But, but when you're in it, it's hard to see it when you're in it. Sure. Because we are, it takes such a powerful being to mm-hmm. be where we are, to live in a world with all that we have known and become accustomed to and felt that we mastered, suddenly pulled out from under us. But the new is not quite there. And we're still... Every day, we're trying to make a living, have some semblance of a healthy, intimate human relationship, take care of our bodies, and find joy in our lives. You know what a powerful being it it takes to be in that place because the future is not known right now. And this is the beauty because it's not yet created. We are creating that future through the choices we make now and the understanding of the new human story. Self-regulation of our biology is a foundation. It's, it's not like a little satellite. It's the foundation of this new human story. Now, I, I don't know what the new world is going to be. I, I have my, my personal bias and suspicion, but I, I don't know for sure. But I do know this. If we build that new world out of fear, it's going to look just like the old world. Mm-hmm. But if we take this time, this, this precious window of time that we have right now, And if we come together and look at one another in the eyes, just like we're doing now with our community and say, these are the things that we value. These are the things that we cherish in life. And whatever is going to happen from this point forward, if these values and the things that we cherish, if they can be the foundation and we build everything around that, we can't go wrong. But if we lose sight of those precious values, Uh, I think we will be following the path that either the abductors were following or maybe the time travelers were following. And and this is it. It's up for us right now. I totally agree with that. This isn't science fiction five five years from now. When I saw the bifurcation of consciousness in such extreme forms where family members and people could no longer talk to each other, both believing they were absolutely right, this is this rigidity. Again, reinforced by media, social media, it's being reinforced through our interface, through technology. That's how this happened to yeah. me. There's no question about that. But what I started noticing also was the responsibility that was falling on people's shoulders that recognized it and said no. And I happen to live in an area, the Sierra Nevada foothills. Everyone moving in, the old generation's dying off, the original mm-hmm. farmers. The new ones are coming in. People with literally, my neighbors have six to seven kids per family wow. coming in having their kids get their fingers in the dirt. Now, some of it is religion. Some of it is religious sex. But teaching their children that to live in concert with nature and to go out and play in the grass and in the trees is the foundation, like it was back when I was growing up. And away from technology, I'm watching that all around me. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing their conversations in the coffee shops. So I'm in a rural area in a yeah. progressive state. And it's becoming obvious that people are choosing away from technology there. 
I don't think that's the norm, though. It doesn't reflect everywhere. I live in New Mexico. Yeah. It's a large state, relatively small yeah. population. Same thing. It is uh, politically, it's considered a blue state. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the map, the blue is a couple of cities and the rest of the state is red, which, exactly. which is the same in, in many of these other yes. places. How do you unify? When, this is the tough one. I, I know this is the tough one because the information, this is the battle for our thoughts. Right. The information is being so tightly regulated. But I'll tell you what I'm, I'm seeing is a lot of people have information fatigue. Yes. They simply have shut it off. And yes. I think it's the healthiest thing that we can do right now. I couldn't now, agree except more. Except for Gaia TV. <laughs> of course. Well, <laughs> no, because, yeah. because we're talking about real things on, on right. Gaia TV. But they, they've shut off uh, the information, and this includes their social media. Yes. Because what will happen is they'll have one group of friends on Facebook that will post all this information. And these people are accustomed to accepting and believing what their friends have said. Then they see... Uh, reports on YouTube, and then they see the Twitter channels and the Twitter feeds, and then they sit down with their family at dinner, and they say, what's true? What do I believe? Right. And this is it, emotionally, it, it will wear, wear you out. It's polarizing families and friendships. Some of those are blowing up. Marriages are blowing up. Children are not hanging out with their, their parents anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think this is the trigger. People only, it's like a rubber band, Regina. That's just stretched yes. to the max. And, and I think the, the break point is the fatigue. And people are saying, something's not right. I don't know what it is. But that, that's the door to the awakening. If they Absolutely. Say, they say, I, I don't know what it is, but something isn't right. And they just shut it all off. And well, then they find out what's it. true in their lives. Absolutely. In the end, it's up to us. If we don't support those platforms, they go away. Yeah. Or they reform or transform to, to, to supply us with what we're actually looking for. And it's not this right now. Information is biased because it profits any given platform to hold a very distinct point of view. That's the only way they keep their support. But a very cool thing that's happening, and, and I could see this starting years ago, uh, the same technology is now being used to develop new platforms mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of Silicon Valley, outside of the control structure. Yeah where people have the freedom, they're not deplatformed, and those are emerging, I'm seeing emerging in Europe right now, there are new European models. I know people in, in the U.S. a little bit, not quite as, uh, as Give ready. Give us an example to- of what it, when, when it functions like. When well, it, it looks like it's an internet platform uh, where people communicate, but they're not deplatformed, so you can mm-hmm. share information freely. Yeah. And uh, you're not you're not uh, shamed. Yes. You're not shamed because of a belief system. And right. this is a very powerful social motivator for some people. Right. Now, you and I are of a different generation, and we've lived, uh, we've seen many crises in our lives, but to a young person who is conditioned to place their value in the way that they perceive other people think of them, and to, to have their friends shame them on, uh, on Twitter a lot, right. or on Facebook, right. and we all know the rate of teen suicides. Right is on the rise, and this is contributing because young people who feel that they have no value in the eyes of their friends feel they're not worth uh, a life. Right. And they're taking their lives. But this all goes back to the human story. Mm-hmm. When we're taught from an early age that we are the product of an accident, random mutations of biology, where's the specialness in that? And if you are just a random life form, then there's no reason to respect 
your body and the young people don't have that reasoning. So what they place into their body, and not all young people, but we see this happening, uh, the, the drug abuse, for example, uh, to young people who learn how precious life is and how to respect their bodies, they would never put those chemicals into their bodies, pure, not, not because they're not supposed to, but purely out of the inner reverence for their own being, but that's been lost. That's a different kind of education, and it, that does have to be built from the ground up. But now. it begins with biology. Yes. It begins. Our young people are taught that nature, the fundamental rule of nature, is based on, uh, on competition and conflict. And that's wrong. The, the best science of the modern world is now showing us nature. Nature is based on cooperation. Absolutely. And if, if someone doesn't believe that, yeah. They need look no further than the 50 trillion cells in their body that must cooperate in every moment of every day. We live this model of cooperation to remind ourselves. Yes. But think what that means to a young person. If you grow up understanding that nature is your friend, that you don't have to fight to defend yourself from the world, and that cooperation and working with other people uh, is it reflecting that fundamental rule of nature, that's very different what I grew up with was dog eat dog. Right. You you have to roll over the people around you to to get anywhere in the world. That was what I was taught. I never believed it. I have a very strong soul compass, and I rejected that belief. A lot of my friends uh, did not. So this begins at a very early age of helping young people to find a different way to think about themselves, a new human story. And that's all up for us right now. It really is, because the old stories don't work anymore. The staid stories of our educational systems and our religious institutions are really too myopic. They're not taking into account our full potential. And it's almost as though there has been a restrictor or a limiter put on the human species uh, for ages. But in fact, in a sense, we've done it to ourselves, and now we can break free of that. I hope we're breaking free of it. There is the battle in academia. Yeah, that's it was fighting one. tooth and nail to hang on to an obsolete story. Yeah. Regina, they're teaching in our universities right now, the young people that are being asked to solve the problems that we've created in the world, they're being asked to solve those problems through the same thinking that led to the problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying to throw all of the old academia out, but I believe in honoring our young people. Give them everything. Mm-hmm. Give them the old ideas give them the new ideas, and let them know that science is a living way of thinking about themselves in the world. It's not static. It's not fixed. It's constantly being upgraded when new discoveries come about, and that's threatening to the academia as, as we know it today. Absolutely. So we ha- literally, we have to reconstruct all of these systems from the ground up. But that starts with us as individuals, and that starts with our own maturity. Mm-hmm. And we just have time for this one last little thing to chat about, and that is t- including the spiritual and metaphysical communities. Mm-hmm. We Once we started, it's 30 years ago, when we really all started hopping on, right, in mass, we started hopping on. The harmonic convergence, yeah, so, right? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I, I was there. Too. I was up on Shasta. <laughs> So we're all hopping on and we're all learning how to see that there's more to us than just the material part. And we've learned to meditate. We've learned to find our little bubbles of bliss. But what's happened is um, we've reached a point now where that has to be brought back in and applied and grounded in our families, in our communities, 
with responsible action, which was what a lot of people were turning away from and wanted to get blissed out to leave behind. How do you suggest we begin well, using I, this practically now? I think it's where the it's where the the rubber meets the road. Yes. The the spiritual rubber of our beliefs meets the road of everyday life. Life, yes. And I think what's happening, and I'm I'm seeing this happen in uh, in the spiritual community, is some of the principles that they've been led to believe are not true. Right. And so their belief systems. When they are challenged with a changing world, their belief systems no longer serve them. The belief systems are breaking down, and they're, they're, they're saying, now what? Now what do I do? It's an opportunity for us to see what works, what doesn't. What doesn't work, don't put any more energy into it. But I think this is important, Regina, to acknowledge, to be kind to ourselves and one another. We're on a learning curve. It's a steep learning curve. An explosive learning curve it right is, now. But not to judge ourselves for the choices that have been made in the past based upon what we knew then. We, yeah. we know more now. Yeah. So we say, we let that past go gracefully. This is what we know now. Let's, let's build a new human story. Let's build a new world based upon the values that we cherish. And you'd be amazed how, when you ask someone to define their values, they've never even thought about it. And when you begin talking about it, they say, my God, this is the foundation of everything. Right. The most radical thing that we can do is to think for ourselves and to think differently. And that is the challenge that's up for everyone right now to be truthful, honest, and factual. That's it. Truthful, honest, and factual with ourselves and what we face. And then to apply our, our, our best practices, our best discernment, our best judgment in the world based yeah. upon those I couldn't agree more. It's, it's time to go old school. Go back into the virtues, the great virtues, because some of that does require courage, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, the subtlety of those virtues will help lift us once we define what our values are, can help take us into the manifested version of that. I agree. It's, it's like, I think of this often, it's like a pendulum. Yeah. And we launched after World War II for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. We were inundated with technology that we'd never seen. Yeah. And we explored that. And the pendulum has gone so far, now the technology threatens our very existence. Yes. It threatens our species. We'll never, we'll never lose the tech, but how we apply it will be that pendulum coming back. Uh, we are maturing in the common sense, hopefully, of, of what it means to be human and how we embrace the technology in our lives. Absolutely, that, Greg. That's what the new human story is. is all about. Uh, this is showtime. And everything you said I resonate with. We have to start making these decisions and standing up for ourselves. Yeah. Well, Regina, I, I know that our time is, is brief here. I knew it would go by quickly. Yeah. But I just I want to thank you for the opportunity, first, to work together again. Yes, it's fun. For the invitation to be with you today and, and to have this very honest conversation mm -hmm. that uh, it can be frightening for some people and is also opens the door. It, it does. It opens the door to, to new possibilities that are very exciting. So Absolutely. thank you for the work you do and for bringing truthful, honest, and factual information to, <laughs> to your go. community. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. And um, people are going to be able to stay dialed in with you because you've got a lot of research that you're releasing right now. So thank you so much, Greg. It was wonderful to be back together again. My honor. I look forward to our next. I do too. Right. So for everybody else, you can find out about what Greg's up to. It's always expanding, always growing his body of work by going to his online courses and also his other presentations. And you can find all that out at gregbrayton.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.